Welcome to another edition of the Behind the Mic Podcasts. If you're listening right now and you have not subscribed to it, wherever you're listening to, and get a lot of people who listen on the Anchor app and, of course, through iTunes, another great week for me, uh, a very blessed week every year. The Portland Sea Dogs are nice enough to send me down to Fort Myers to cover the Sea Dogs and everything Red Sox related during spring training. So I've got to uh, spend this week down here and really enjoying it. Weather hasn't been 80s every day, but I'll take the 70s. There was a couple days of rain, uh, but overall it's just an amazing experience to come down. Find me on Twitter behind the underscore Mike, behind the Mike 73 on Facebook. Remember to like, comment, want to hear from you. Well, had a great opportunity this week. I've known Rob Bradford for a long time. Rob does great work. He's on the radio broadcasts for the Red Sox. He writes for WEEI.com. Rob has his own podcast as well, The Bradford Show. And Rob joined me earlier this week. All right, here with Rob Bradford from WEEI.com. And uh, first of all, Rob, good to see you. Behind the mic. I love it. I'm very honored to be here with you, Mike. How's things going? Good, good, man. I, this, is, this has been a long spring training because I think there hasn't been a lot of natural uh, storylines. Yeah. Um, I've had to do, I was the, telling you, I had to do a lot of broadcasts, which I love doing. But I think that, it, yeah, I think you can appreciate this. I think doing spring training games is the equivalent of doing 15 inning games because you really, for the first couple, it's okay. But then when you start seeing the same guy, the big number 97 is coming out and the sixth, seventh and eighth and ninth inning, and you know, no one's really caring. That can be a little bit of a grind. So, uh, it's been good. I at least I know the guys a lot better. The guys who might end up in Portland or Pawtucket a whole lot better than any of these other Jim Oaks who are covering the Red Sox in Boston. It's a good thing too. The the coverage of these guys now people know who Bobby Dahlback is, yeah. but Darwinson Hernandez is now on everyone's radar. Yeah, so that's crazy, right? I mean, this is so we get all excited because we see these guys, and you've already seen a bunch of them. Like I look at Dahlback, like oh my goodness, like what an arm that kid has, or you know, or you look at the for one of the first, I think it was the first time he came up, he blasted a home run, and you, then you get the, the sight of how big he is, and then Darwin's and Hernandez, you you hear about him, and then you actually get a chance to see him not only play not only pitch but pitch against legitimate major league uh people and and also mike like how he interacts with guys in the clubhouse you never know that with a major league team you never know that with major league clubhouse how they're going to be integrated but he sits there he's playing cards with everybody else even though he's a few years younger and uh i think that you know the idea of him making this team isn't out of the realm of possibility yeah, I know that's uh, the big question that comes up the bullpen, but uh, $100 million for K- Craig Kimbrell doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that was the option. Yeah, I mean, no, it was, that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, I, we don't know for sure exactly what we're dealing with in terms of was there a one-year offer to be had, is a two-year offer to be had. I know that they were being very, very careful in the money allocated to anybody in, in the relievers and bullpen. You saw it with what they offered Kelly. You saw what they offered Arvino, some of these other guys. They weren't willing to go to the years and the money that these other places were, and that was the case with Kimbrell. And, and I, I do think they're taking a chance because it, it's just one of these things where it's okay to 
to base your projections and base your success off of projections to an extent. But I think they've gotten in trouble doing this in the past. 2015, you did it with the entire starting rotation, thinking these guys were going to take the next step and be aces, and they weren't. Or when Ortiz left and you said all these guys in the lineup are going to get better, we don't need a guy in the middle of the order. Well, we knew that that wasn't going to happen either. Both those cases built on projections. That's what they're doing a little bit now. That's where analytics, I don't think, come into play. Protection in the order, mentally for other guys. Ortiz had Manny, that helps. But pitching the ninth inning, Rob, you know it's a different beast. I mean, you can have an ERA of one, pitching innings seven and eight. The ninth's a different story. It is. And and you've heard, it's funny because it's it's one of my favorite topics because I love asking closers about it because not all of them say that. I mean, honestly, he said – it depends on where you are in the order. It, like the ninth inning was eyewash. This is a guy who made it to the Hall of Fame because of the ninth inning. But at the same time, a guy like Billy Wagner, I always remember when he came to Boston, he pitched the eighth inning. He says it's completely different. Where the ninth inning, not only do you know that you don't have anyone behind you in terms of relief pitchers, but you also it's a different approach from the hitters. It just is. It, there is... There is an anxiety. There is a more attention to, to detail. There is all of that's going on. And, and I think that you can't discount that. And it goes back, Mike, to this is going back a ways, but when the Red Sox tried doing the bullpen by committee in 2003, and we know, okay, we know that there has been semblances of that to, that has worked. But the problem is, is that guys, if you don't have the right guys to do it, it won't work. If you, if you have guys who feel like, I have to know when I'm going to pitch, then it won't work. There's a lot of human element that you have to factor in as well. Mookie Betts is a big story, of course, because of Trout and Harper, and people want to know what's going on. But Mookie has every right to, to wait this out. That seem, sort of seems like where we're headed with this, too. We just talked to Mookie down in the clubhouse, and every time someone signs an extension, we run up to Mookie and ask him about it. And, you know, it's funny because – Mookie doesn't do what you expect he might do, which was, oh, good for him. We'll see. No, he kind of digs in. and He kind of digs in. He said, listen, I want to be treated fairly. I want to get my value. And I don't expect, I, I don't expect to sign an extension. It's okay to disagree. He, he says it in a way where he said, it's okay to disagree. It's all right. No hard feelings. But at the same time, he's saying, you know, I'm going to get mine. I mean, I'm going to get mine. And that's not in a bad way, but... He has, all along the way, Mike, for whether it's arbitration, whether it's this last year, whether it's today, it has been a case of where he's digging in and he's not going to be like, oh, woe is me. I'm just going to accept it because I like playing in Boston and these teammates are great. No. He understands his spot in this game. He understands that he's one of the two best players in this game. And he understands also what the market is for that player. And we know that more now than ever thanks to the Trout contract. So some are going to say, why haven't the Red Sox talked to him? I'm sure they have, right? This is probably going to be a lot of Mookie just wanting to wait it out. Yeah, they have. But here's the thing is that the Red Sox have talked to him. You had the Joel Sherman report of it was the eight years, $200 after 2017. He turns it down probably was smart and and then you have but now what you have is you have the baseline you have the trout contract so if you're Mookie why wouldn't you and I know trout has done it for longer yeah. but who cares exactly. it is what it is right right now I mean this is this like I, I I get a kick out of these people saying Mike Trout is far and away the best player in baseball no he isn't he has been yeah. but 
like Mookie Betts was a better player than he was last year. So that is the most recent thing that we have. And if that's the case, then then you know where you have to start if you're the Red Sox. You probably have to start where Mike Trout ended up. Would you agree with younger players that are getting to the big leagues quicker? This is what happens when they make the minimum early because they're putting – I mean, Trout played for fool's gold, right, for a little bit. So he's going to have to get his. That's just the way that this is structured, the system. Yeah, and and it's funny because now you – it's been a lot of extensions. Like we just saw the Bregman yeah. deal, right? And so – for a while, we didn't see the extensions, and all of a sudden this spring, I, I would imagine a big part of it was because of the uncertainty about the market and, and everything else that now we're seeing a little bit more of them, um, but it, it, you're right. It, it's that it, it goes back to it, – it's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird dynamic because the, the players want certainty. Like if I'm, if I'm Alex Bregman and I'm offered $100 million before arbitration, like how do you not turn that down? But the problem is, is that there's a union aspect to it. And I talked to David Price about this earlier in camp, about how, you know, you not only have to factor in yourself, but you have to factor in the guys after you. And he said he first learned that. Remember the Longoria deal? Longoria deal, he signs this deal like basically a week into his major league career. And I think it had like three team options. It was it was terrible deal for the player but he wanted certainty in so on the surface how do you blame him but veterans in that clubhouse according to price were blaming him like what are you doing you are not setting it up for the next guy that is the problem and that's what another thing they have to deal with so you think they'll ever change that minimum salary for guys that get to the big leagues quicker no, I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, there's a lot has to change in the CBA. I mean, you know, one of the things in terms of like the minor league, the, of all the things that are going on with baseball and finances and everything else, one of the most encouraging things was a little thing what Toronto did the other day, right? I mean, you know this is how little these minor leaguers get paid. And for Ben Sherrington in Toronto, Mike Shapiro to take a step up and say, hey, we're going to, we at least acknowledge this. That's a step in the right direction. And, you know, this is the thing. It's, it's like we can scream and yell and get paid views and get clicks and everything else about the Harpers and the Machados and the Bets and the Trouts and all of that. But it's the, the next layers of guys who are the real conversations here. It's the minor leaguers. And then, like, above that, you know, it's the guys like Marwin Gonzalez and who – Everyone said this is a really good player who's going to get a four-year deal and ends up getting a two-year deal. Or all the minor league guys are assigned. Gio Gonzalez signs a minor league deal with the Yankees. I mean, this guy is like a legit pitcher. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of all out of a skew, I guess. I was up for the uh, Seattle game. That was pretty cool to see Ichiro playing. Uh, any oh, interaction? Yeah, yeah well, I, I, was up, I was up working out. So, uh, you know, I, I put the game on. I, I will say I noticed that I was on the treadmill for an hour. I think I watched one inning. I can't blame anything pace of game. Uh, guys are just throwing so many pitches. So just not to get off subject, but I think that's another level of this pace of play that we can't ignore. I mean, sometimes guys are just throwing so many pitches and guys are fouling off. That's what I saw for that hour. Well, I'll ask you. Well, first of all, you saw the pitch clock. You like it? You like it? Yeah, well, I was saying this morning on an interview I did back in Portland that I think maybe it should be explained more. I think a lot of fans actually think that that clock counts down when the guy's arm is going forward. I mean, it stops when he comes set. You you don't even notice it after a while. Yeah, I think that people 
that's the the consensus for both all people we haven't noticed it down here this whole yeah. thing is sort of ridiculous but it's funny you said that because having do, done some of these excruciatingly boring spring training games is that there's been a couple that have been long and like i said the three and a half hour spring training games feels like eight hours and, and you're you're trying to figure out why did this game take so long and it was exactly what you're talking about it was bad pitching yeah. it was bad pitching and and you know, I looked at the box score for that Seattle-Oakland game, and I'm like, and this is on me, not necessarily on the pitchers, but I'm like, who who are these guys? Yeah. Like, who, like this is, and you're going to get more and more of this, and where you have, you know, those, especially those two sort of markets, you have younger guys who are getting their feet wet. Who, but I, I'm with you. I'm glad you said that because I've noticed that this year is that this, it's just, it's it wasn't a product of the pitch clock or anything. It was just bad pitching. So we'll see where it goes. I, I mean, I do agree with some things, but I do think there are some things that are organic that you just can't fix that are causing long games. Mike fires, couldn't throw strikes, 65 pitches and three plus innings. I personally don't know how you fix that. I don't think be, be, be better, be yeah, better. I mean, but, but if you want the games to be quicker, there's nothing you can do. No, no, it's, you're right. It's it, well, you know how it is, Mike. I mean, it's like, it's, if you're telling me, oh, we, we shaved, I remember that you know, they like, we shaved nine minutes off the game this year. It's at the, on average. Uh, who cares? Like, yeah. honestly, who cares? It's about the pace of the game. It's about how the game feels. A game can be three and a half hours, but if the pace, if it feels okay, if it feels entertaining, if it feels like it's moving along, then great. And I think the pitch clock goes a long way to solving that problem, but it, it there's, there's only so much you can do. I mean, they're trying to... They're trying to – a lot of this stuff, okay, fine, it's not terrible ideas, but it, a lot of it is let's not go overboard. And, and, you know, you talk to people – like, go talk to Rick Porcello about this. I, I would encourage you to because he's like, listen, the game – I love baseball. I love baseball. And it is what it is. And it's not for everybody. Yeah. That's what we have to get our head around, that it's just simply not going to be for everybody. I always say, too, okay, so if you make the games quicker, it's still a 162-game commitment. Isn't that more overwhelming than the time of game? Yeah, well, they're not taking those away because it's money. So um, it's – it's this is – you know, it's funny because we were – I was talking about doing broadcasts. This is sort of merging our worlds here, but doing the difference in the broadcast, the radio broadcast. And – and, you know, a lot was made when Tim Neverett left. It's about people were saying, oh, they want it to be like a talk show. We want it to be a talk show, which was stupid. Of course, we didn't want it to be like a talk show. I'm going to bring up Bob Kraft's and masseuse in the fifth inning. No, it, no, it wasn't happening. But the point was is that you have to be more conversational. And what I'm getting at here is that, that people in the last five years, in the last four years, in the last three years, people's attention spans have changed. The way that we consume things have changed. So we have to adjust. And that's what baseball has to understand is that this is just the way that we are. And I think they're trying in terms of social media things. And, and, and again, with the broadcast, I think that that's, we have to view it the same way too. To think that people are consuming things the same way than they did five years ago is just wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but I do, and maybe I'm maybe I'm off base, but I think that too many organizations, MLB, you know, whether it's media organizations, are too slow to understand that that things have moved so fast in our world over the last five or a few years than than we can ever understand. Rob, I appreciate the time. Thank you.
Mike, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. I, I enjoy listening to your podcast. I enjoy listening to your broadcast. And I look forward to you telling me all the things about all these guys who I have no idea who they are. But so I guess we're going to – so let me – before we go, are we on a time limit here? No, no, oh, this is the beauty of podcast, right? So, uh, so of all the guys, you know, who played at Portland last year, right? So – um, we see him now. Who is the guy? Who is the guy that you're like? That's like so Bobby Pointer, right? You yeah. you were like probably a big Bobby Pointer guy, and he's gonna make it, and so forth and so on. Is Darwinson Hernandez? Is he like? Is he the guy? Yeah, you know, uh, I was talking to Alex Spear about uh, Ryan Presley. I liked him a lot when he was a reliever. Yeah, um, and then Darwinson did kind of the same thing: a, a starter in Salem, then a reliever with us. You could see that raw talent, how he fits that role better with his pitch repertoire but I, and I think Dahlbeck's got very easy power well, that's that's what's scary about him and it was interesting seeing Dahlbeck and Chavis play I mean they basically were playing like at the same time one would play first one would play third they would alternate and you know Chavis comes out and he hits the four home runs but Dahlbeck defensively was a notch above and I think play to play when the pitchers start getting a little bit better for Chavis, yeah. that's when he started tailing off a little bit. I mean, he still had a pretty decent camp, but it that was interesting to me. Um, and then you know, then you know, we talk about guys who are going to be in Portland who potentially might be in the, in the major leagues. And my guy Durbin Feldman, I mean, he's, he'll probably end up in Portland and. So uh, so we'll have to keep tabs on him through you. Yeah, I'm excited. Keep up the good work and keep up the running. I'm impressed, yeah. 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 I, I, no, it's, I, it's not running, it's plotting. But it's, uh, I appreciate it. It's, it's good to see you, Doc. Like, right. Thanks, Rob. Hope you enjoyed that. Rob Bradford from WEEI as we get closer to opening day 2019 in Major League Baseball and, of course, the minor league season starting on April 4th. For the Sea Dogs at Hadlock Field, we'll do a lot of Red Sox, Sea Dogs, Haw Sox, organizational stuff as the summer progresses. Enjoy your week. Behind the mic always tells you peace and love.